0: Hello, I'm Chris, and this is CB Music Club. Here we are again, joined as ever by Will. Hello. And Nick. Hello. And Al. Hello. Hello. We're here, as ever, to have a chat about an album and a year. But first of all, most importantly, what are we drinking?
1: Nick? I am drinking Rumi's Munich Keller Beer. It's
2: pretty good, actually. Slightly uh, dark, malty beer. I approve. Nice. Jolly good. How about you, Will? I've got a little can of maple and pecan Danish stout. Oh, that sounds nice. nice. It's actually incredibly tasty. Who makes it? A brewery called Turning Point. What's uh, wetting your lips tonight, Al? Rather shamefully, it's Brew Dogs
3: Punk IPA from a case that I bought before I'd heard about the allegations made about the bullying behaviour at the company. And I may be withholding my money from them until they can prove that either it's not the case or that they have cleaned up their act effectively. However, I'd already bought these beers and they've already got my money. So there seems little point in not drinking the beer. Got a few cans left, so I'm going to drink it. And enjoy it, although it may leave a bitter, bitter taste, because it's quite hoppy, yeah. right? <laughs> See what you done there. <laughs> what about you, Chris? I'm drinking Ossian Golden Ale. Oh yes,
0: by the Amber Almond Brewery, which is lovely. Just the thing for a summer's day like we're enjoying today.
3: And what have we all been listening to? And let's start with Al. I have been listening to an awful lot of music from the seventies, obviously 1971 music for the purposes of our podcast this evening. I've also been getting a bit of pub rock down me. Dr. Feelgood, status quo, oh, yes. Lizzie, that sort of thing. Maybe a bit unfair to call them Lizzie a pub rock band, but they're in that area. I watched some live Dr. Feelgood actually on YouTube playing in South End, them being Essex boys, you know, they're from yeah. Canvey Island, I believe, sort of a homecoming gig for them. And I thought it was pretty good. I really like Wilco Johnson as a guitarist. Very unusual the way he struts about the stage And he plays with his fingers Which means that he looks as though he can't possibly be making the noises that he's making Something that you guys probably wouldn't be so interested in I started watching also on YouTube Some documentaries on the channel of the thrash metal band Anthrax Who are 40 years old this year and they've started doing a history of the band And it's just people who've been involved with them And band members talking about their beginnings So far that I've watched And it's really quite interesting Scott Ian, the guitarist, and the drummer Charlie Benanti Are both really engaging, likeable guys And they've both got brilliant accents as well It's <laughs> just interesting because I was quite into Not so much Anthrax, I like Metallica and Megadeth more But I was quite into thrash metal Way back in the sort of early to mid-80s It's just interesting to hear this oral history These bands... Although they're easy to dismiss as being a bit childish. They were creating new music like nothing that had ever been heard before. And I think they deserve a bit of respect for that. And yeah, I've been enjoying it. I'll be watching the rest of it. But there seems to be about 40 episodes. It'll take me weeks to get through. But I'd
2: recommend it. It's interesting. Will, how about you? did take a look at 71, Like Al, And I thought I'd give something that I've never really done. And that's a listen to Carol King and her album Tapestry. Just craft and beauty, production to die for. Her vocal range is something to die for. After listening to this album, there's not much possibility of staying alive. It's so beautiful. Just a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant performer. And it was really nice to, because, you know, back in 71, I wouldn't have listened to Karen King, no way, Mm. in a million (laughs) years. But I've known since how good she was. And so it was really nice to sit and appreciate it.
1: And Nick? A couple of things. Jose Gonzalez, who does a new single out last week, which I've been listening to. I've been a big fan of his, I think, in the noughties. I saw him supporting King Creosote playing at Monorail, the record shop in the centre Glasgow. Just absolutely love his stuff. And I was listening to this new single, but then also going back to a band he's in called Junip. Quite enjoying revisiting that. And the other thing I'd been listening to was Frazee Ford. Her last couple of albums Who I really like She was one of the founders of a band called The Be Good Tanyas Way back in the day, 20 odd years ago But I discovered that Mm. she's from the bit of Canada In the middle of nowhere, where my brother lives So I was just interested that there was actually Somebody recognisable from there Because it really is in the middle of nowhere Anyway, Phrasy 4's got this lovely soulful voice And actually, she recorded the last couple of albums in Memphis And it's got that real Memphis soul sound Which... I absolutely adore.
2: I first came across her uh, a few years ago and it was Radio 6 and then it was YouTube video of her in a studio. And the reason why I thought this is interesting, it was very Al Green. It was in the studio where Al Green was and it was Al Green's pianist and Al Green's guitarist in there. Magic. What about you Chris? standout single that's been getting a lot of airplay on
0: Radio 6 this week is the latest single by She Drew The Gun, called Cut Me Down, which is a cracking little tune. But it reminded me of Belly and the Breeders, that sort of 4AD sound from the early 90s. And then on my music streaming service, up popped a new album by Belly, which has just come out. Really? This last week. It's actually a compilation. It's Ah. a double album to mark 30 years since they formed. And it's a collection of... um, b-sides hmm. and cover versions and rarities all sorts of stuff so yeah i was listening to that and then picking up on all the first couple of belly albums as well i the love the first belly into. album I think oh, it was yeah.
3: absolutely brilliant
0: it was a nice little link between stuff going on now and stuff from can't believe 30 years ago first belly album came out We are in 1971 this week, and Will is going to give us a run-through of what it was like back then, 50 years ago. Will.
2: So, what happened in 1971? Well, much the same as happens in most years. There's life, there's death, there's bad stuff, and there's good stuff. So, apparently, the microprocessor was invented by a little company called Intel. Also, the first pocket calculator was put out by Texas. And I was at school at this time, in secondary school, and it was almost immediately taken by the maths department as being, yeah, you can use one of these things. Red LED on a nine volt battery that if you left it on for more than five minutes, that was it, the battery gone. But I was thinking about how brilliant kids are and how I might have been a brilliant kid because this stuff from Star Trek got into our hands and we just went, okay, yeah, boo, boo, boo. And we went seamlessly into the digital age. Emails, internet chat rooms, and brilliantly well done guys, CAT scans were invented in nineteen seventy one.
3: However, you can't take your CAT scanner, put five eight zero zero eight and then turn it upside down for a laugh, can you? That like you can hey. with a calculator.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in nineteen seventy one a cause very close to my heart, Greenpeace began and they've been doing amazing stuff ever since. Sometimes I wonder whether they're the only ones between us and Armageddon.
1: If they're not then Armageddon out of here.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) clues. Nice. I'm not going to mention Vietnam War, because I seem to always be mentioning the Vietnam War. But we had a new war. India Pakistan got into it. Juxtapose that with Disney World opens in Florida. So, yay. (laughs) Swings and roundabouts. Exactly. When I do this kind of thing, I always give you a bit of space stuff. Mariner 9 is launched to go and have a look-see around Mars. I think it lasted about a year and a half, and then I'm assuming it's batteries and whatever. Probably the same thing that happened on my calculator. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's still there all those years. It's still in orbit, and apparently it's going to fall out of orbit in 2022. Well done, Mariner 9. Well
3: done. Absolutely.
2: Toys this year, this caught my eye, Etch-a-Sketch, hey. Hey. Hot Wheels, and a game which is still on the shelves, which is Battleship. I love Battleship, it's <laughs> hey. cool. What I like about Battleship is I like the new versions that have got noises and stuff. But if you want to play Battleship, you can just sit down, make up a grid with your mate, and play it like that, which is cool. Deaths, Coco Chanel, which is sad. Um, also sad, Jim Morrison, found dead in a bath in Paris. This really got my goat. Women were given the vote for the first time. Where? Some sort of banana republic? No, Switzerland. 1971, it takes Switzerland to give women the vote. Beautiful country, though. It is a beautiful, beautiful country. country. Lovely people. Yes. A couple of films from 71. Kubrick's Clockwork Orange. I was 12, 13. and managed to get into the cinema to see it. And it just scared me. It absolutely scared me, the violence. And for months later, anyone walking in the street wearing white trousers and obviously some jokers started wearing the, the kit with the bowler hat. I was running the other way. I was terrified. That film absolutely terrified me. Another film <laughs> was Shaft, which featured the Oscar-winning theme from Shaft by Isaac Hayes. I've always loved that tune. It's a great song. So when I- it's yeah. just awesome. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I'll end this with the upbeat, I suppose. Born, Mariah Carey was born um, in 71. But you said upbeat. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I've got a soft spot for Mariah. Oh, I can't stand Mariah. <laughs> Maybe not such a upbeat, but obviously one of the most famous people in the world. Lance Armstrong was born, born to cheat. I was also born in 71.
3: Ooh. Can't believe you missed that off it. I'm sorry haven't oh, well. yet reached the heady heights of <clears throat> mariah carey though. thank god you'll need a few singing lessons before you can hit those heights. <laughs> please, <laughs> please don't go for singing lessons
2: so mariah carey lance armstrong and our own chris marks was born in 1971 hey
0: Thanks, Will. That was 1971, and that brings us to our feature album for this week. Also from 1971, uh, my choice this time around. I chose Tago Mago by Can. Still not entirely sure why I chose Tag Omega by can obviously seventy one a great year for music, numerous fantastic albums released, and lots of quite well known albums. I think the main reason I chose can was a band that I was aware of, but I didn't really know anything more beyond that and I kind of wanted to dig into it just out of curiosity because so many of the other albums that were released this year are very very familiar because they are so well played and, and well versed artists but this was one that was still. Hugely acclaimed, hugely instrumental, but certainly personally one that I had no idea what it would sound like. Don't know about the rest of your chaps. I think, Nick, you're more familiar with some of Can's later stuff.
1: I was aware of Can, certainly. I didn't know this album, so I was keen because I was a fan of the other things I've heard.
0: So, Can fell into the genre that was named by the British music press as Kraut rock. Somewhat negatively, yeah. and I believe it was a label that wasn't particularly liked by many of the bands that actually fell into that category. The label stuck. The likes of Noy, Can, Tangerine Dream, and probably most well-known, Kraftwerk. Elements of prog rock, funk, psychedelia came together in the late 60s, early 70s. It was a genre of music that disregarded the normal classical rock and pop song structures of Western music and went for something a bit more freeform, a bit more avant-garde, a bit more experimental. Can have been around for a couple of years. They'd recorded their first album and then their vocalist had suffered a bit of a breakdown and uh, left the band and the country. So band at this point were a four piece composed of jazz musicians classical musicians who were trying to push the boundaries um, without a vocalist they bumped into a japanese busker called damo suzuki who was hauled into the band they met him in that very same day they stuck him on stage and he played live with them and he then stuck around for a couple of years and was the vocalist on tagamago the album was recorded in a medieval castle near cologne The band and various other artists were given the run of this place and they hunkered down and basically jammed for a long time without any great structure, without any great planning as far as I can make out. And the results were then cut and spliced and looped together by Chukai, uh, the bassist and the kind of sort of engineering brain behind Can, who kind of then spliced everything together into what's a mammoth double album. Only seven tracks, so it's a bit of a beast. It's a bit of a, an unwieldy album at first glance. You know, you've got tracks that are 16, 17 minutes long, take up an entire side of the album. And Defy, normal sort of song structure, very experimental and hugely influential. Lots of artists cite this album as inspiration for stuff that they went on further to do. And I think that's apparent once we get into some of the track, there are echoes of bands both before and after that are writ large across it groundbreaking and still has a lasting legacy especially among drummers i believe my first impression was
2: oh god what have i done
0: when i uh, when i listened to this album after choosing it for i want to review
2: that is so weird chris because i felt
0: the same yeah. what has chris done and i listened to it once And then I just had to take a long rest. I kind of stilled myself to listen to it again. I wasn't really looking forward to listening to it a second time. Quite often fine with these sessions that repeated listenings bear fruit. And I'm happier with it now than I was when I first listened to it. But I still don't think it's an album I particularly enjoy listening to as a whole. Certainly it's a challenge to go through the whole four sides in one session. Who else? First
3: impressions. Al. I didn't mind it too much. First listen. The first thing I did was split it into the two separate albums. I didn't try to listen to all four sides in one go. Those first four songs, even on first listen, I thought they've all got something to recommend them. But they all seem very long. Not quite the experimentalism and inventiveness and something different that I was expecting from them. They are fairly traditional. The second album, on the first listen, Chris, what have you got us into? (laughs) Mm. I think it's a little bit self-indulgent. Narcissism, the second LP. It really is just the sound of a band messing around in the studio that really probably should have stayed in the studio.
0: Will, how
2: did you find Tag Omega on first approach? I'm manned up, Al. I listened to it all in a wanna, woo, and on several other occasions. The first two tracks, I was going, what? And then it was just building in me as I was listening to it. There was a point within the album that I just thought, this is genius. This is absolute genius. It took me from that initial couple of tracks where I don't think they're that good to something quite amazing. The only thing for me, and it's probably the same for you guys, is... Cut, for goodness sake, stop uh-huh. playing. Uh-huh. Nick, you're the one who, of the four of us,
0: was most familiar with Cannes, certainly latest stuff, if not this album, but was this what you were expecting? Not
1: quite. My entry point to Can was a compilation of their singles, mm. and I really, really liked that, and subsequently went and listened to the album after this, Eggie Bam Yassi, which has two of their most famous tunes on it, Spoon and Vitamin C, What I hadn't realised was that what they did was they cut down to three minutes (laughs) some of these extraordinary things on Tago Mago that are 18 minutes long. They'd just done a three or four minute cut for the singles collection. At some point, they had recognised that they needed to do something in order to reach the masses. So when I got into this, it was a challenge as well. I really like the first half and then it goes somewhere else. It still had a lot of the recognisable things about Cannes that I like. Was it you that said, it's a thing for drummers? And it really is. Jackie Liebvitz is just incredible. Yeah,
0: the percussion, the rhythm is extraordinary, isn't
1: it? It sounds very of its time, that self-indulgent, naive, hippie rock thing of just them jamming forever. I would have loved to have been in Cannes. Uh (laughs) Just sitting around for Days on end, farting about the studio, jamming away, it must have been great fun.
0: It's an interesting way to work, isn't it? To actually put something together like that.
1: The other thing about it uh, really struck me was it's very similar in approach, presumably, to the avalanches. You've got that artistic thing where somebody has taken a bunch of music and spliced it together to turn it into something.
3: That's recording in a studio for as long as we've had multi-track recording in a way. Although this is taken to extremes, there's no doubt yeah, about it. yeah i was just thinking. Can you imagine? I was in Can. That would be a miserable experience for everyone. I'd just be <laughs> trying uh-huh. to get everyone to shut up and get these songs out at two and a half minutes.
0: <laughs>
3: uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there would be fist bumps.
0: <laughs> Should we attempt to um, tackle this album head on, track by track? Bring Let's it do it. So we start with Paper House.
1: We are right,
0: seven and a half minutes one of the shorter tracks on the album it's a very different song by the time you get to the end of it Hmm. and i think that is one of its joys that metamorphosis from a fairly restrained fairly flat track at the start to a mad wig out by the end both instrumentally and vocally i think one of the things i found with this album is that the further on you go the less conventional it becomes and this at the beginning the track that follows are probably the two most conventional tracks on the album I like a lyric and I like a singer and I like a word. And I think one of the obstacles that I found with this album was the unintelligibility of most of the lyrics. I understand Mr. Suzuki, obviously Japanese, his grasp of English was phonetic at best. He sings in a mixture of Japanese and German and mimicking English. It's a bit like a Koto Twins album. You kind of get snatches Hmm. of words and bits Hmm. of it that make sense, little moments of clarity and then bits where you just sort of fill in the gaps.
3: I simply haven't paid attention to the lyrics on the album. Every now and again, a phrase or a word jumps out. The voice is there as another instrument rather than to give any great meaning to the tracks. I think Paperhouse is a really good opener, though. Although, as you say, the album gets weirder and weirder as it goes on, it does set the stall out quite nicely for the album. I think if it had started with one of the weirder tracks, it would be a bit too alienating. This really reminded me, and it's the first instance where you can see the influence of the album, perhaps, on Bands To Come. It sounds a hell of a lot like Pavement. If you put Steve <laughs> Malkmus singing on that, that could be a Pavement demo. I quite like the sound of the album. But it does sound quite cheap, you know, quite low rent, I suppose. Like, they didn't have much money to spend on mixing it, really. So it's well recorded, but it does sound a bit like just some guys in a room playing.
0: I think it was just some guys in a room playing. I did read that they only had two microphones. Oh, wow, is that right? And they had a two-track cassette recorder. So it's gone straight to tape. They were in the central atrium of the castle because the acoustics are quite good there. Mm. But it was literally just two mics, two-track cassette recorder.
3: And four blokes in a room jamming. Wow, that's amazing that they got something so good sounding. But anyway, um, yeah, it reminds me a lot of Pavement. I'm a big fan of Pavement. I think that's got to be a good thing. But on the downside, like everything else in the album, it's too long. There's a really good maybe four or five minute song in there, but it's seven and a half minutes getting on for eight minutes and it needs to lose three minutes. I just don't want to listen to noodley guitar solos for four minutes. <laughs> And I realise that those four minutes are nothing compared to what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brace yourself.
0: Nick, you were saying earlier that their singles, some of these tracks, condense down to three minutes, but then you're getting a very different experience, aren't you? Oh, yeah. If this was 14 three-minute tunes, it would not be anything like the album that it is. So as you get onto the longer tunes, the length is its strength, to coin, a, to coin a phrase.
1: Paper House isn't on the singles collection, but Hallelujah! which is the longest track here, at about 18 and a half minutes. There's a three and a half minute edit on the Singles Collection.
3: Yeah, I read that earlier today and was like, what? How? It's just completely different. I really like Paper House.
1: I love the way it starts with that whoosh. And it's the drums. I just love the drums on it. I love... The sound of them, I love the patterns, I love the instrumentation.
3: He's just really driving a lot of the stuff on this. It's just really intoxicating, I think. I'd agree, the drumming's great on the album. And the drums sound great, proper 70s drums.
2: Will, what did you think of Paperhouse? The only thing I could say when I first heard it was who lost the vocals. And this is just me projecting on how the album went through. But it sounds lost in Paperhouse, And in the next track... He sounds lost and shouty, and then he suddenly finds himself. So the idea that you pick somebody up off the street and he comes in and he goes, oh, what am I doing here? I can feel that. The vocals really annoyed me. However, the midsection guitar stuff is pretty damn good. Even when I'm annoyed, I'm thinking that they're not playing to any rules, but they know how to take a song up and they know how to bring it down
3: we're all saying it is maybe the most traditionally structured it does have a lot of speed shifts and dynamic shifts in it yes probably more than anything else on the album and it's really interesting in that respect it's a good song i really like it yes it's a song that i like more
0: by the time i get to the end of it than i think Mm. i was going to at the start of it it starts i think oh again really and by the end of it i'm just absolutely immersed in it
3: Paperhouse then merges seamlessly with Mushroom. That's my favourite moment on the entire album. When it sounds like Paperhouse is going to do this massive crescendo, and it just suddenly becomes Mushroom. It's brilliant. It takes me by surprise every single time. I'm just <laughs> uh-huh. waiting for that big, Dah! and it doesn't happen. Just that brilliant drum pattern for Mushroom starts. It's really good. Mushroom's got some lovely stuff in it. That twelve-string guitar riff. That is just great. But. Even though it's the shortest song on the album, it does feel a bit too long. And it's a problem that afflicts quite a lot of the album, that it feels really underdeveloped. It's sort of half a song, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I like it, but... mm. I wonder how deliberate that is. For all their structural mayhem and complexity, there's not a huge amount going on in some of these songs in that there is a drum and there's a guitar and there's a bass and there's a voice. It's not lots of layers and layers and layers of stuff thrown over. It's quite sparse in places... The interest comes from that repetition. I don't know enough about the production to say how much of it is looped and how much of it is played.
3: I think it's all played. Certainly the first LP, it's all played.
0: The repetition of certainly the rhythm just creates that almost sort of
3: it's hypnotic i think that's what you're driving at Yes. am i right in saying it's the only tune that just does one thing it doesn't have different sections the changes are more sort of dynamic it's not speeding up and slowing down it's not going into something radically different at any point it's
0: there's shouty bits and quiet bits but the rhythm is constant on this so this is the one that could have been the single
3: it was a single
0: it
1: was a single yeah and was as is, I think. Being only four minutes Staying long. Being only then. four minutes long.
2: Well, did you like your mushroom? Yeah, as I said, it was still me bedding in on uh-huh. this. I can take the first and second song and they kind of balance each other. It's like it's not two different songs for me, if you know what I mean. It was me listening to it, thinking, actually this is not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> when it first started, it wasn't going well for me. But I will say that of all the Albums I've ever listened to where it wasn't going well for me. This album turned it round faster than any other album. <laughs> wow. Are we ready for tracks three? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
3: with a clap of thunder i thought of it as more of a nuclear explosion
0: i
1: thought it was an explosion then a storm yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. again it seamlessly turns from mushroom into oh yeah this is the first one that reminds me of uh, you can see parallels with craftwork who are a band of this genre that i'm more familiar with is this a drum machine rather than a beat it feels a lot more electronic than no no the no, rest no of that's,
3: that's a drummer the, the drumming's great
0: the drumming in
1: this is fantastic mm. yeah this is my favorite track i think I think this is just an amazing groove. I love the start of it. I just love the explosion. (laughs) Everyone should start their songs with explosions. That's fantastic. Real ones. And then the storm, and I like the
3: backwards vocals. I think this is great. I love the first two and a half minutes of Oh Yeah... Absolutely brilliant. It sounds like Yola Tingo. It's another band I've no doubt are influenced by Can. The beat is brilliant. The drumming is just great. Mm-hmm. It's really atmospheric. Mm. The backward vocals feel just right on it. It's like it's building up to something and building up to something and then the bass comes in and it starts to speed up. Where's it going? Where's it going? And unfortunately, not really anywhere. Sadly, I found it a bit disappointing after those first two and a half minutes. It's not bad, but... It's a recurring problem with the album for me. It seems to just lack a bit of focus. I realise I'm missing the point by saying this, but I'd rather it just had some normal songs on it. <laughs> you know? It's far too long hmm. again as well. But. but I don't dislike it. This whole first side of the album, I really enjoy it. It's nice background music. I find it a little bit irritating if I focus on it too much. I listened to this album several times and firstly on headphones
0: and found it difficult. And the first breakthrough moments was when I just took my headphones off and listened to it on a speaker quite late at night with a few beers, which is its natural home. (laughs) It's an album to be listened to in a room with a bit of a scene going on. Do you remember when uh, the Pulp album We Love Life came out? I never really got it. I thought his and hers, different class, this is hardcore, fantastic. And then We Love Life came out. I didn't really get it. And then we went to see them and they played it live in a forest in Forests in the north of Scotland. And it was on almost is that this time of year, June the 21st. And there was a storm and the sun came out and cleared and the sun shone down. And at that moment, We Love Life made sense as an album. And it was like that with Tagamago, sticking it on. It suddenly
3: made sense.
1: It's a three o'clock in the morning album, isn't it? Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah.
3: Especially this first side. Although it doesn't sound like Jane's Addiction, it made me think very much of the second side of their Ritual de la Habitual album. Very long songs, Lots of noodling, very repetitive But it just works Even though that is describing An album that I would hate I do actually like them The songs are strong and the playing's really strong
2: I thought that this song Built throughout it And it was a subtle build And it stepped up to another level And then to another level And then it dropped out and then it picked it back up And I was still annoyed about the vocals Not really wanting to get in there Get into the fight as it were But this was the first time that I thought, these guys are masterful.
0: So that was, oh yeah, that was the end of side one. Flip it over for track four. The sprawling 18 and a half minutes that is hallelujah.
3: Drums and bass are amazing on were. Yes. From the beginning to the end, they're largely just doing the same thing from the beginning to the end, but it's brilliant. The interlude 2 is just great. My favourite bit, again, one of my favourite bits of the album, it has that little bit about five minutes in with the piano and so on where it just stops. But when it comes back in there, the drums and the bass, amazing, absolutely brilliant. But, dudes, it's 18 and a half minutes of it. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's not long enough. Yeah, I mean, geez, oh. <laughs> this is
1: the track where I thought I would love to be in Cannes. Can you imagine Uh turning up for work every day and going, what are we doing today? Oh, yeah, can
3: you just go and (laughs) (laughs) sit? That's what we're doing today. For the next seven and a half hours. (laughs) When I wrote my notes for this quite a long time ago now, I said there's a good song there, but a four minute song, not an eighteen and a half minute one. Then I read on Wikipedia earlier that this was a song that had been edited down three and a half minutes, like you mentioned, Nick. I'd quite like to hear that three and a half minute song. I'm gonna check it out. Eighteen and a half minutes. I mean I think of that, I think, oh my god, I just don't have time for that. Not that I've got anything else to do. I just don't have time for eighteen and a half minute songs. But it's okay. I do find myself checking how long it's been on every time.
1: Over <laughs> there, yet? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No,
3: it's not really a song, is it? It's a groove. I think this would be an
0: amazing song to dance to. You could just lose yourself in this. It wouldn't feel like eight and a half minutes.
1: If we're dancing to this, we're going to have to do it in shifts.
0: (laughs) But you remember like back in the day when Stone Roses put out Fool's Gold and Happy Mondays put out Hallelujah and Primal Scream did Loaded. They went on for... Ten minutes,
1: yeah,
3: nine minutes, yeah.
0: They almost weren't long enough because you just got into that groove. It was lovely and I I can see this being the same.
3: I think they're all a lot less interesting than this though, the songs that you mentioned. No, 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 no. The 12-inch version of Fool's Gold is Uh just uh magnificent. I don't agree. I like all the bits of Fool's Gold, but I find it incredibly boring. And it's too slow to dance to as well. Uh, I just like the groove. This to me feels like a bit of a
0: blueprint for those songs. Very rhythmically driven, repetitive, hypnotic but just go on and on and on. It's incremental changes, but by the time Hallelujah ends, you're in a totally different place than you were at the beginning.
3: Especially if you're driving.
0: (laughs) 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 At this point, this album is just really working for me, really making sense. I'm wishing I was 20 years older and was there in the 71.
2: Will, is this a big one for you? Such a sweet soul vibe going on there, but it wasn't aping Detroit or anything like that or Philadelphia. It was European soul, and it was just lovely. But really? Really? (laughs) You're going to carry on for that long? I'm not going to say it ruined it, but I did wish they'd wrapped it up a bit sooner. Their musicianship, their togetherness on this groove was just amazing, I think.
3: There's a real jam feel to it, isn't there? They're jamming. And they're playing off one an awful lot. And even though mm. it has that same rhythm, that same bass line going throughout, it's super tight yes. the way they're playing off one another. And although I'm saying, that, right. oh my God, yeah. imagine me being in Cannes, how awful it would be playing for like all afternoon the luncheon. <laughs> at the same time, that sort of interplay, that would be amazing. The drummer and the bassist looking at one another and deciding when they're going to stop and when they're going to start and how they're going to bring it up and down. Yeah. And following the singer as he starts screaming, they're getting louder and all. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. But... It's impossible yeah. not to keep coming back and saying it just goes on too long. Nah. No, it's perfect length. <laughs> it's really funky yeah. as well. It's the funkiest <clears throat> track oh, yeah. on the yeah. album. I don't think it's funky at all. It does not have the funk. It's got a totally rigid beat, man. A brilliant It's one. not
2: Detroit or Philadelphia funk. It's it's their own funk. But it's still pretty damn cool. Das funk. <laughs> it's a bit too rigid, and uh, it doesn't
3: it doesn't sway the way that funk should. But it's an amazing bit of drumming. There really isn't that much to say about these songs, is there? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, unless we're it... going to start fawning over. Oh my god, it's so experimental and amazing. There is something about the thing and God bless,
1: can they've gone there so we don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> indeed
0: (laughs) yeah it's a fair point obviously we are coming to this album 50 years too late i kind of feel like we're coming to it maybe 30 years too late as well yeah i think you're right you know
3: the roots of ambient house are in this spiritualized spaceman 3 stuff like that as well and all
0: you know kind of that sort of psych rock stuff all the sort of osric tentacles and -hmm. gong from earlier and the old, all these thing, kind of things can kind of trace their way back.
1: To a bunch of Germans working themselves into a trance at a party <laughs> in a castle yes, in Germany. Yes, <laughs>
0: yes,
3: yeah. There's a whole host of 90s music that really seems to have taken off from, from as you say, Chris, about 30 years ago. Uh-huh. It really seems to have changed something. Uh-huh. And that's interesting uh-huh. that that generation, I think, has been so obviously influenced by it. I mean, it's our generation, I suppose. It is, yeah. I'd have hated this in 1991, though. <laughs> I think I would have been
0: overjoyed if I'd have discovered this album back then because I was listening to the results of this album rather than mm. this album, if that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Should we tackle the second
2: album of the pair? I can't wait for that because that's going to be funny yeah. I'm indifferent. Oh. <laughs>
0: You flip onto the second album and you get the whole side one devoted to omg. Om. Alm. om Alm. Which is a minute shorter than Hallelujah, but to my mind it feels about ten minutes longer.
3: <laughs> How do we feel about om? I hate it, I think it's terrible. I think the second album's a waste of space, quite honestly. Yeah. I listened to it three times and I thought actually it's not gonna reveal anything to me that I haven't heard already. It's boring. As I said earlier, I think it's just narcissism putting stuff like this out in a record. Who wants to hear this? Obviously some people do, right? But I just think it's an absolute waste of space. Rubbish. As great as the first album is, the second one is just terrible.
0: Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, I think. I'm not sure it's terrible. I just find it really
3: unlistenable. Is that the same thing? Maybe it is. Yes and no. You could admire the experimentation and the artfulness of it, but still find it challenging and difficult to listen to. I don't even think it's challenging, I just think it's boring.
2: Well, what do you think? There was a film out in 1968, and there was this scene where these monkeys were throwing things uh. at a obelisk, and there was kind of weird, Ooh! music. This is that, but Pound Shop version of it. It's just pointless, and not as good as 2001, either.
3: I wasn't sure whether you were talking about 2001 or Head when you were mentioning monkeys throwing things.
2: Just as I was getting into these guys, they come and do something like that. It's
0: just... Interesting you say that. It does feel a little bit like incidental music to a film. It's bits of not particularly connected noises that you can see reacting to something that's going on a screen rather than hang together as a piece of music in its own right
1: i'm looking at my notes and it starts with um (laughs) (laughs) and then i've gone experimental ambient filmic weird you can hear the beginnings of ambient music in some of this experimentalism i think but it's not necessarily good (laughs) it's only saving graces it's not as weird as the next one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Should we just jump onto the next one? Are we done with Om?
1: And the next one the one where my one note was unhinged. It's <laughs>
0: sounded like a drunk muppet I thought Peking O <laughs> yeah the vocals go completely out the window don't they
2: I thought it was kind of interesting and it had the novelty single about it but not funny enough I'll leave my comments there that's it no more to say
3: I don't have any more to say about any of the album to be honest Just not interested oh it's not interesting I will just sitting watching you guys duke it out okay. so we all hated Peking I like the first quarter of it
0: before it breaks apart But yeah, no I don't like it. Coffee or tea? The last track of the album.
1: Yeah,
3: still no joy here. I don't even remember where it goes. Like
0: it's not memorable, is it? I don't think it's as yeah. bad
1: as Peking O and Om. Um, Om.
0: Um, Om. Oh.
1: Um, I've written here. I'm not sure if this is necessarily true in reflection, but this could have been on Think Tank.
3: Yeah, but that covers a lot of bases, good and bad, doesn't
2: it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried now that I listened to the wrong last track. Listen to it, I was thinking, I bet. The Radiohead guys heard this song.
3: You're almost certainly right. I'm sure they're on record yeah. as saying they have been heavily influenced by this yeah, album. And, yeah, there's no disputing that.
2: I think this is the exceptional track of the album. I can listen to this one over and over uh-huh. again. I
0: must
1: admit I didn't hate this.
2: I really am worried now that I've listened to the wrong track.
0: By the time I've sat through the 17 and a half minutes of OM and the 12 minutes of Peking i I'm just exhausted and just haven't got the energy to enjoy bring me coffee or tea (laughs) whether or not it's good or not I just want it all to end at that point
1: (laughs) I blame that on kicking over
0: yeah possibly possibly I still don't really know what to make of this album I've listened to it a lot sometimes I listen to it and think it's amazing other times I listen to it and don't like it at all Does it depend on what kind of mood you're in, what time of day, how you're listening to it, where you listen to it?
1: It's not an album that I would be seeking out to listen to again and again. I think there are other things that can have done that are listenable on a regular basis. I think the next album is much more palatable. And again, going back to the singles, when you go into those briefer cuts, they've got some great grooves and it's really quite powerful stuff. I think this is very challenging and in many ways a background listener it's the soundtrack to something else
0: but from what i've read from what i understand this is held up as can's masterpiece And the one that most people cite as being the most influential of all albums?
1: I think that's about the fact that they pushed boundaries of what music was doing at the time. I think it's about the fact that people hadn't done this kind of thing before. It always has to be good, doesn't it? It can't just be... But I think, you know, that we're all saying there are some major elements of this album that we like. Yeah. You wouldn't be saying it if you didn't like the musicianship, the groove. There's a lot of great stuff on here. It's not a mainstream classic album. It's adored by tends to be alternative musicians. There's a very left field experimental Mm. lobby that we'd say
3: this is one of the classics. I
0: think we'd all feel happier about it if it wasn't a double album. Um, yep. If it ended
3: with hallelujah. Yep. If it was just that um, first LP, I'd be sitting here telling you that I think this is pretty damn good. The songs are too yeah. long, but they're good songs. <laughs> yeah, I'd be happy with that. Or even if it was all seven of them when they were cut down to a length, even <laughs> the difficult experimental ones, if they were cut down to just a few minutes, would be perfectly listenable as well. It's a good album to have on in headphones when you're walking. When you don't have to Mm. necessarily focus and it's on in the background, maybe to some degree. It's really great for that. And it doesn't seem so overbearingly long when you're listening to it in those circumstances. I will listen to this first album again. I'll go back to it. I genuinely like those first four songs, but if the second one was lost to posterity. And yet, as I understand it, it's that second half that a lot of people consider to be the genius. Mm. To Mm. be what's special about Tago Mago. And I just don't hear it myself. And it's not like I'm someone with mainstream musical tastes who just finds it a bit too weird and offensive. I don't think the album's especially challenging. That second half is challenging because it's bad, not because it's doing anything amazingly different.
0: I think you need to enjoy an album, don't you, for it to be...
3: <laughs> I don't get a lot of pleasure out of
0: listening to the, certainly the second album of this. It feels a bit like homework.
2: I know a lot of musicians in the UK that look to people like Beefheart and Zappa as touchstones for their music. And I'd never heard of these people before, but I would put them in with Beefheart and Zappa without question and say to any band, if that's what you're listening to, if that's what you're mining... Then mind these guys too.
3: I think Beef Heart particularly is quite a good comparison. But I am genuinely surprised that you never heard of them, Will. I really thought that you would know some can. Especially a man of your age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was being uh, polite I, about it, but yeah.
2: Don't forget we were going into the Northern Soul Wars at okay. that point. So yeah. I had to pick uh. a side and my tribe was soul music. Fair okay. point. Fair point. Have we got a favourite track, Nick, on this album?
3: Oh yeah. What is it, then?
0: <laughs>
3: Can you single one out, Al? Yeah, yeah I think uh, Paper
0: House is definitely my favourite. Will, I think you've opted for the final track, yeah? Bring me coffee or tea, for sure. Okay, I'm going to go for Hallelujah, because I could dance to it all night. Right, let's can-can and move on to... Um... <laughs> hey,
3: hey. You've waited hey. how long? Hour and a half.
0: Move on to... <laughs> that you just came to me. <laughs> Finally. Um... <laughs> We're going to talk about other stuff that was happening in 1971
1: that we liked, aren't we, Nick? Yes, we're going to talk about our favourite albums and our favourite number ones from 1971. I'm going to start with Al.
3: What was your favourite album of 1971? There's a lot of famous albums in 1971 and I know hardly any of them. And I looked and I've got Tapestry but I don't know it. And I thought about listening to it and picking it anyway And I say my hunky dory, but actually, although it has this massive reputation as maybe being Bowie's best album, I'm not a huge fan of hunky dory. So I thought I'm going to pick a short list of albums. I'm going to listen to them. And my favorite one is going to be what I'm picking. So I went for two pairs that were in opposition to one another. one was the stones against Rod Stewart, sticky fingers, and every picture tells a story. I wasn't impressed with Sticky Fingers. I find it a bit boring, self-indulgent, a bit ramshackle, and in a way that Stones always were, but it just felt almost a little bit like self-parody. It does have some classics on it, so it opens with brown sugar, which is a very good song. It's got wild horses, which I've never been that much of a big fan of, but yeah, I find it a bit dull. Whereas Rod, who pictures tells the story, is great, and I was really surprised by this. The first half of the album is okay, but the second half is magnificent, and... I was thinking, here's my album of the year, but I still hadn't listened to Leonard McCartney. (laughs) And I read reviews of these albums. And what's staggering about 1971 is how much Paul McCartney was hated in the music press. I mean, utterly, utterly loathed, presumably blamed for splitting the Beatles up. And contemporary reviews would have you believe that Imagine is something of a classic and Ram is, is something of an embarrassment. Imagine is a bit boring, to be honest, Ram is fabulous. It is mm. absolutely start to finish magnificent album. I understand it's now had a bit of a critical reappraisal and it is considered to be one of the great albums of what is considered to be a great year. But at the time it was utterly loathed. All of the music press hated it and I really didn't know what was let myself in for, it. but it is this sprawling mess of influences and ideas. It's brilliant, and it's like the indie pop of twenty, twenty five years later as well it's a great album and I'm really really surprised to find myself saying that Paul McCartney ran my album of the year because it is absolutely brilliant listen to it. It is a good choice
1: I discovered it relatively recently as well it is a great album I have to say good choice. Chris what was your favourite album of the year? I
0: went with one that you've mentioned out way back in lockdown for me this whole kind of listening back to albums or listening Mm, to albums for the first time that I would never really kind of got to grips with began for me with going through David Bowie's back catalogue starting at the very beginning and I made it through till the late 80s and I just got bored at that point (laughs) because it all went a bit sideways (laughs) but those early albums are absolutely superb so for me it's hunky-dory this was the album forgive me I'm not a great expert on Bowie but I think this is the album after he killed off Ziggy Stardust is that right the first album after that I believe it is, yeah. And this was the first point where he changed his persona, if you like. And indeed, Changes, I think, is the first track on the album, isn't it? A great it? song. And mm. heralded a career of many such changes. But yeah, it's just got some brilliant, brilliant tracks on it. Changes, as we say. Oh, You Pretty Things.
1: Life on Mars. Life on Mars I think. is a great song.
0: Life on Mars. Kooks. Kooks is a wonderful, beautiful song about, it's just about having kids, but it's just a fantastic song. Andy Andy Warhol. Queen Bitch. There's some really, really great stuff on that. So yeah, that for me is the album at 71.
3: Have I told you the story about Life on Mars? I'm sure I have. Tell us again. About how when Bowie worked as a lyricist and he was employed to write lyrics for this French song, uh, which ended up being My Way. And his effort at it was really, really dreadful, trying to write lyrics for Frank Sinatra. And of course, he got turned down and what he ended up recording was My Way. I can't remember who wrote the lyrics to My Way. It doesn't matter for the purposes of this story. Life on Mars is his revenge on Sinatra. It's Uh the same song. It is My Way. The chord progressions and everything in it, it's the same song as My Way. (laughs) Next time you listen to it, you might spot that. But I think that's quite amusing that he went out and wrote his own version of it. Uh, he did it his way. Very much so, yes.
2: Will, what was your album of the year? So Honky Dory is out of play. Who's Next is a great album. If for nothing else, it we'll won't get filled again. But there's not enough great tracks on the album for me to make the pick. The one that makes a pick for me is Joni Mitchell, Blue. Just an exceptional album, and if I was to pick a song from it that absolutely sticks it to you is My Old Man. Joni Mitchell is exceptional, exceptional artist, and a great album.
1: Another great choice. It's just incredible, <laughs> The albums you guys have talked about already, all coming in one year. There's lots of great soul and funk records that year. There was mm-hmm. Sly and the Family Stone, there was Curtis Mayfield's Roots, Isaac Hayes' Shaft soundtrack, and then you've got What's Going On. There was a couple of other albums I was kind of toying with, Brighter Later by Nick Drake, and there's an album, The London Howl and Wolf Sessions, which I discovered when I was in my teens and keep going back to because it's very funky record. There was two Greatest Hits albums that came out that year, which I'd listened to a lot growing up. One was the Jackson 5 Greatest Hits, which I've still got a vinyl copy of, and the other one was, there's been loads of Rolling Stones collections, but Hot Rocks, 64 to 71, was almost how I discovered
3: the Stones. Yeah, that's a fabulous album, yeah.
1: The track listing on that is is remarkable. So that came out in 71 as well, and so those were great. But really tapestry for me, I think is the album probably just nudging ahead of what's going on. Tapestry is a
3: incredible, beautiful album. What a great bunch of albums. Fine choices. A what lot of great going on. There. There. Fantastic great, yeah. taste. <laughs>
1: so the number ones. How do we feel about the number ones of nineteen seventy one? I have to say, my first impression was that the number one single
3: choice wasn't quite as epic as the album choice how do we feel about that al what was your favorite there's three great songs there for me i'm gonna go hot love by t-rex which i think is my favorite cool. t-rex song i think it's a great single i love to sing-along at the end of it it's a fab song there's a couple of others that are neck and neck with it but as i suspect at least one of those is going to be wanted by someone else i'm going to go with t-rex hot <laughs> love. good choice
1: al will what was your favorite number one
2: it's Because I Love You by Slade. One of my other two, yes. <laughs> awesome song. What a great guitar work through it. I just love that song. It really, really stomps. But I had got a second one prepared in case... Um, oh, you can do that. You're getting greedy now. Stop it. No, no, no. no. It's Ernie by Benny Hill, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the greatest songs That's ever. you
1: stolen my choice.
3: Uh, All <laughs> oh,
2: yours. No, I didn't think that because you were bigging it up the other week. <laughs> <laughs> The line from it is where he's putting milk into the bath for his girlfriend to bathe in. And it's, would you like pasteurised? Because pasteurised is best. And she said, Ernie, I'll be happy if it comes up to my chest. That is a line. That is a it line. It is a line. It yeah. is a yes. <laughs> <is. laughs>
0: Master lyricist that was Benny Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Chris. I'm reserving anyway, the right Slide. to go for Rod Stewart Maggie Mae because it was number one the day I was born. Oh, so, wow.
3: Oh. Oh. So Lovely.
1: That one's mine. You can have it. I used to play in a We used to do a cover of Maggie Mae. That was a great tune. All right, so what am I left with? <laughs> chirpy, chirpy, cheap cheap. Grandad <laughs> by Clive Dunn. I think I'm definitely going for Clive Dunn. Uh, <laughs> what am I going to go for? I might just go for... My sweet lord, then I guess. Yeah, has to be. I think oh, yeah. the last of the greats. Get it on's quite good as well. I Do you know what? Actually, I don't have to choose. Oh, I'm going to go for Maggie May as well. Maggie May is my favourite number one of that year. I think that's a great song.
0: So that was seventy one. Not a bad year for singles, but an absolute
2: stunker of a year for albums, I think. One of the greatest. I can remember music being about singles back then, but clearly it wasn't. Well, I think the 60s were about singles and the 70s were
3: more about albums, and this is maybe the transitional year into that. For me, because I was growing up then, the late 70s, early 80s were singles. Well, that's singles again, yes. Yeah. The post-punk era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, it's, yeah, it's amazing.
0: late 70s, it changed again back, didn't it? To the... So... That just leaves us with where we're going next time. Big album is your
3: choice. What have we got? What year are we going? And what have we chosen for us? The Cold Hand of Fate picked out 1991. The third time in a row that I've been presented with a year full of albums that I know and love, making it quite difficult for me to mm. select something. The last twice, of course, I went with something that I knew really well and then complained about how I wish I hadn't done that. 91 is... To our generation, what 71 probably is to our parents' generation. Mm, yeah. It's the year where everything changed, where so much of the music that we love to this day came into being. It's the year of Nevermind. It's the year of Out of Time. It's the year of Loveless, an album which, even though I hate it, there's always a temptation to choose it just so I could argue with Chris for three hours. <laughs> uh, it's Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's Soundgarden, it's Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Massive Attack. My favourite Pixie's album, Trump the Mons came out the day before, Never mind, of course. Teenage Fan Cards Bandwagon. And there's a list of Yeah, I uh,
0: great another great yeah.
3: Smashing Pumpkins. There's a list of albums, the length of your arm, which are wonderful and be so much to talk about. But I thought, nah, I can't do it again and just pick something that I know and then spend <laughs> you know, spend a couple of hours just banging on about how much I love this album and berating you three for saying anything bad against it. So I decided to go with something that like can like Tago mago has been massively influential without ever having any great degree of commercial success which is spiderland by slint is it an album that any of you know i've not even heard of it not even heard of
0: the band i think it's going to be an interesting album for us all looking forward to that just for the novelty if nothing else well that's us for another week I'd like to say I enjoyed that, but I don't think I did, really. Oh. <laughs> so it was my fault. I chose the damned album. But I think you fellas enjoyed it in varying degrees more than I did. Always lovely to chew the fat with your chaps. Yeah, for real. Indeed. Always a joy. Always a pleasure. You can hear this and all episodes of CB Music Club and CB Singles Clubs on all the usual podcasters, Spotify, Apple Music and all the rest. You can hear Tagomago in its entirety, if you've got the time, on the playlist that accompanies this podcast, which is available on Spotify and YouTube. And we're also put together a playlist of other associated tunes, also on Spotify and YouTube. So search for CB Music Club and all we revealed. If you like us, tell your friends, subscribe. We're back again shortly with a singles club. And then we'll be looking at Slinked Spiderland and everything else that happened in 1991. Until then, good night, chaps. Goodbye. bye Bye. See you, bye bye.